Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, it's tuning in to our online affiliates around the world. We're glad that you all could be with us as well. You know, it's hard to believe I was first introduced to our next guest seven years ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long. But it was with a book called Wiregrass. But I'm so excited to welcome back author Pam Weber to our program today. She's celebrating a new book this year as we're getting ready to say goodbye to 2022. We're going to talk to her not only about her amazing literary journey, but what it's been like for her to do what she loves, to craft stories that I think readers really enjoy, but also I think that we can learn some things along the way as well. If you guys are just now hearing about Life Dust, we'll let you know how to get your own copy of the book. But Pam, welcome back to the program. Oh, Cyrus, it's such a pleasure to be back. It's hard to believe, Pam, it was seven years ago, 2015, when you and I first connected, which seems crazy. (laughs) <laughs> to think about, uh, that we have, have known each other for one that long, but also that it all kind of began for us with that book, Wiregrass. What has this experience been like for you, Pam, to kind of look back and reflect on your writing journey so far? Um, surreal. The um, the success with Wiregrass, and I can remember that conversation with you very clearly because we were talking about our grandmothers <laughs> and how yeah. alike they were um, growing up in the in the Deep South. The um, it, it's just been fast. Uh, you said seven years, and it is hard to believe um, that you know the wiregrass and then Moonwater. We got to talk, and now with Life Dust, it just seems um, like it's speeding by. But it's funny how each book um, just told me it needed to be written. Um, you know, it wasn't something that I had to sit down and really think about what I was going to write about. I just knew, um, and they were things that were important to me to be able to put into print, um, not only for my children, but for grandchildren and my husband, Jeff, and um, and just family and, and people to come. You know, what was important to our lives at uh, those points in time? Um, and there were historical novels, obviously. Um, the Wiregrass was um, set in 1969. Moonwater was set um and, I'm sorry, uh, Wiregrass was set in 1968, Moonwater was set in 1969, and then Life Dust is set in 1971. So in that cluster of time right there, what what the world looked like, at least what our world um, looked like. Right. And But you know what? what's so interesting, Pam, and you and I were just talking briefly before you we went on here. Regardless of when the books are set, there are such relatable characters, but also relatable situations. I even said in my review of the new book, Life Dust, that I think that's it. Readers will, they will feel that connection with the characters because people are people regardless of, you know, of, of where we're talking about or what year. Is that one of the things that you hear a lot from readers? Um, universal themes, yeah. You know, people are people. Um, and whether it's 1969 or, you know, 2069, you know, in the future, People are people, and we have very similar um, uh, life events, um, you know, things that are just common to humanity, happiness, sadness, right. sorrow, um, uh, and how we deal with it, how we deal with love, how we deal with loss. 
um, how we deal with wrongs, you know, when people are, you know, injustices and things like that. Those are just common humanity themes that just plague us all the time. And um, to me, it was just important to, you know, sometimes those things are so powerful that they derail people in their lives. They actually, you know, lose focus of what's important and they get knocked off their life path by these events. And it was important for me um, to share um, and, and ideally it was for my children and grandchildren and the fact that other people are finding this too. I, I'm just so blessed with that. But um, how to not let it knock you off your path um, and how to, you know, how to be able to deal with it and recover um, and resume your, your life's walk. That was important to me. Yeah, and I think it's one of the things that readers definitely appreciate. So, I mean, we mentioned, of course, it was seven years ago that this all began with with um, with the wiregrass. So, when did you know, though, Pam? When did you know that storytelling was something that you wanted to do? Oh, isn't that funny? You asked me the same question seven years ago. I think it was a great question then. It was a great question now. Uh, uh, two events happened that changed me because I'm I'm a career nursing educator, retired now, uh, except I'm a nurse practitioner and practice part-time. But the um, I had the death of a cousin um, who lived in um, uh, Mobile, Alabama. Um, he was our version of uh, Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer. Um, and he died early. And it just um, dawned on me that my children would never know this extraordinary human being if I did not write his stories down. Um, and then um, just a few years later, my mother died, and in the process, her, her death was a, kind of a lingering death. Uh, she was able to tell me stories that I had never heard about her life growing up in the wiregrass. And when she died, I knew again, if I did not write these stories down, that nobody would ever know what their grandmother or great-grandmother or what, what her life was like. So I wrote the wiregrass to get those stories down. And then with Moonwater, the focus kind of turned on, okay, what was what were pivotal events historically um, in in my life that I think would be had lessons that would be important for people to learn. And then and the same thing with um, with Life Dust. And I've, I'm a career nurse. I'm a nurse practitioner. I've seen a lot of happiness and a lot of sorrow associated with that career. Um, and my husband, um, Jeff, um, was in Vietnam in 1969, was wounded and airbacked out. And um, I knew, again, that if I didn't write the stories down that were pivotal in, um, in his life and in my life, that they, again, would never know uh, what it was like, what was important, what were the themes that were going on, how how difficult situations were handled. And, you know, if they turned out the way they did, you know, maybe why they turned out the way they did. So it's sharing the stories that I think would be valuable to people now and in the future. And that's when I, that's in 1915, when you and I first met, that's when I laid down my scientific writing, uh, the research writing, and turned towards um, uh, creative writing. And uh, you, you might find it interesting. I don't know if I told you this before or not, but um, after I wrote The Wiregrass, I realized what I didn't know about creative writing and actually took two <laughs> years of creating, creative writing classes <laughs> to kind of fill in the blanks because I really wanted it uh, to the writing to turn um, take a little bit more of a literary turn. Um, and it was the best thing I ever did. 
Um, I had sworn I would never sit in another classroom after I got done with my PhD, but um, the creative writing classes were so enlightening. Um, and I think hopefully the, the latter books, including Life Dust, uh, will reflect that. Well, one thing that definitely it kind of carries throughout them all, Pam, uh, is is your your ability, I think, to be able to get us to know the characters, and especially with Life Dust, uh, this is true for Annie, for Andy, and for Nettie. But I think for Nettie, what was interesting, and I mentioned this to you too before we went on, is that I love the idea of healing in this book because I think we all go through some form of it. Uh, and the challenges that can come with it. So I want to talk to you about that um, without giving too much of the story away. What was it like for you to play with that idea of healing, both physical but also mental and spiritual throughout Life Does? Um, you know, I, I don't think there's too many people that walk on this earth that have not been wounded in some form, um, right. you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and as a nurse, both in critical care, ER, um, and as a nurse practitioner, I see those wounds a lot. In fact, there's a lot of interesting research now about how adults, um, the illnesses and, and chronic disorders in adults actually are um, dramatically influenced by the wounds and the trauma from earlier in their lives. Um, so it's really important that we figure out how to heal um, and, and like I said earlier, not let these wounds and these hurts and, and um, events knock us off the, the path that we were meant to, meant to walk. And it's so easy to do. Um, so that idea of healing uh, was incredibly important. Um, and being able to let go, that was one of the huge things. I see so many people, you know, that carry these wounds um, uh, so fresh all the time that it, they never really have a chance to, to let go and heal and and have a better part to their life. Um, and it was really important for me to explore that concept with these characters uh, because they're not unique. Every I do believe every human being that walks the face of the earth has some kind of wound, some you know more severe than others, but um, that it and, and it infects their entire life on a day to day basis. Such a great point. I had mentioned Nettie, but I think even for Andy, and there's that great uh, dialogue that you have with Andy in the book, Pam, where uh, he's pushing himself and he's told, you know, to take it easy. Uh, and he's also reminded that sometimes, you know, doing too much can be just as, as dangerous as not doing anything at all. And I think that is such a great reminder, I think, for all of us when it comes to patience as well. Talk to us about that. I mean, for you in kind of fleshing these characters out, what was it like for you to see how some things just took time? You know, um, one of the benefits of getting older <laughs> is this concept of reflection um, and that you can step back and look and see what was so important that you expend so much energy and time and effort on um, really could have kind of been stretched out a little bit. I think you and I are a lot alike like that. I, you know, like I told you, I was looking at your website updates and my golly, I don't see how you do what you do. And um, early in my career, I was the same way. It was just push, push, push. Now, being able to look back and reflect, and I kind of built this into what was going on with Andy as well, um, is that we all kind of get there, and we, it's just up to us how much skin we leave on the road um, uh, as we do it. And that sometimes taking a deep breath, stepping back, slowing the pace um, uh, is beneficial. Yeah. 
such a great point. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, he's on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome back Pam Weber to our program today. Pam is making her third appearance on Conversations Live, the radio show. And Pam, we're getting ready to celebrate 20 years next year, and so I'm so glad that Uh-oh. you've been a part of these last last seven years with us. Life Does is Pam's newest book. So uh, one of the things also you have been consistent with is the publisher. She Writes Press has given us some amazing books over the years. I want to talk about community for you, Pam. What has it been like for you to be a part of a community that supports you as a storyteller, uh, but also is there to give you that encouragement as well? It's interesting because uh, one of the things I learned early on is that if you want to write well, you have to surround yourself with people who write better than you. Um, and I think that was uh, one of the motivating points to take these creative classes. Um, I actually live in uh, the tip top of Virginia, Northern Virginia, and I actually went to Richmond for these classes um, and studied with the New York Times bestselling author uh, for two years. And we actually had a small writing group um, and all of us uh, producing producing books. And it was interesting because we did not cut anybody slack. We didn't cut each other slack. We would bring pieces in to read, and it was hard critiquing. It was very hard critiquing, but um, I think we all ended up better writers for it, Um, and even now, I can trust these people to give me a really um, honest look at if I'm doing something well, they're going to tell me if I'm missing the point uh, or missing the boat on something else, if I've kind of slipped the POV, you know, somewhere, or slipped into that um, telling versus showing um, uh, modality. They're quick to tell me. And that's a wonderful thing. I've cherished these people um, because it's one thing to be surrounded by friends and have friends, you know, um, that read your work. And they're always going to love you. You know, family is always going to love you. So and while I appreciate that so much, um, surrounding yourself with a community of writers that uh, will move you forward, that is the most valuable piece. I, ha- I have a, actually have a friend who, uh, a couple of friends who have been in writing groups for 10 years, and her work's stagnant. She hasn't moved. Um, and I think it's simply because this group is wonderful people, but they just keep massaging the same things over and over, and there's nobody there to push them forward to say, you know, move on. You know, you've got to fix this and, and move on. And that something that I promised myself I would not do, um, that I would stay in my love, my land of discomfort because if you're just a little bit uncomfortable, that will keep you moving forward and saying, okay, what can I do better this time? What What's my Achilles heel when it comes to writing and how can I fix it? And my group keeps me on my toes. Yeah. I think that is, is one of the things we all need, right? We all need those people. And, and I, I, struggle with that myself, uh, Pam, because I, I tell people all the time, I want you to tell me not what you think I want to hear, but what I need to hear, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that that is the thing. It's not always easy for people to do that, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I, I love but it definitely is important. So I want to ask you about closure because I don't think we've discussed that before, but now with these three books that are out there, as we mentioned, um, do you feel as though when you when you kind of whether you're writing the end or you kind of end that book, Pam, do you ever wonder what those characters are doing afterwards? Or do you feel as though when you when you wrap that book up that you've kind of told the story with them that you want to tell? The uh, That's a really great question. Um, 
the goal, I think, if you do your characters right, is that readers, that the, the characters almost become re, uh, friends with the readers, you know, that they, they care about them. They want to know what their, what their life looks like afterwards and, and when to bring that storyline or those storylines, plural, uh, to closure is, is really a pretty sensitive um, subject. I've actually had people already ask me, you know, what happens next to these two characters. I had originally thought that um, we this I would end this as a trilogy and, and start a new uh, a new line. And I haven't decided for sure yet. I've got an idea for I'm working on an idea for book number four. I just haven't made up my mind 100% about the characters whether I'm going to bring this to closure or not. At some point, because the first three books were so personal, they were built on you know, um, historical events that were occurring surrounding my life and Jeff's that at, at some point I do want to close it um, and let it let it just be. Um, and I'm, I think this is it, but um, I haven't decided for sure. I've given myself till January to kind of stir it around um, okay. and think about, you know, whether I really want to do this this way or not. Um, so it's still on the table, but I haven't decided. At some point, I do need to close it out, and I want to close it out with integrity and, and really good storylines. Um, and I've seen, you know, some authors just carry storylines into the, into the ground, and I don't want to do that with this. Uh, but yeah. I, I haven't decided it will whether these two characters will move forward or not. Uh, Pam, as we wrap up here, there's something that you said that I definitely wanted to bring back up because I, I, when you said it the first time, it really struck me. Um, and it made me think about my grandmother, actually, when you first said it and then when you mentioned it a couple more times. Uh, I, I think one of the things that happens, and I think we see it with life dust. And Well, let, before I say, ask you that question, and I'm getting old, so hopefully I remember what I was going to ask you so that I don't write these things down. Where, talk to us about the title of Life Dust. Where did the title come from? Well, um, interestingly, when I was do, I knew I wanted to do a historical novel uh, in that uh, 1970 period, about the time that Vietnam was wrapping up. And the more um, I read, um, the more interesting stories I found. And one of the stories that that came to light was that in Vietnam, in fact, in, in several of the Asian countries the children who were fathered by servicemen, not just Americans, but if you think about it, Vietnam was um, occupied by the Chinese, the French, the Russians, and there were a lot of children that were fathered by um, soldiers from other countries, including Americans when the Americans were there. Um, And over the decades, um, the Asians had developed uh, uh, a habit of calling these children life dust. Um, Mothers didn't want them, fathers didn't want them, and they were just considered expendable. Over time, this concept of life dust um, grew up to include any person in society who was considered expendable. That you know that they that they their lives didn't matter that they didn't view they weren't viewed as somebody who would be constructive that you know would would have a productive role um, in their uh, communities and in their families and villages and and so forth and that hit me so hard this idea of what do you mean <laughs> you know who are you to say that these children that these people 
were live dust. And um, one of the storylines in, in live dust is uh, about the patient, the very first patient that I took care of that died when I was a young nurse. And he died alone. And it was like, isn't there somebody for him is somewhere that cares that he walks this earth? Um, and so when it when I was reading the story about where the the concept of life dust came from, it just hit me um, that oh my gosh, that could be Mr. Pepper, uh, which is the character's name um, in the yeah. book. It could be him. You know, this idea of why do we think people are expendable? Yeah. Okay. So good. So that does actually tie into my question. Then, so I, I'm so glad. Thank thank you for that, because it, the what you had said earlier was when it came to the wiregrass about these stories, and you did not want these stories not to be told. And I think to me, what that was really saying was that everyone's story matters. Everyone's story mm-hmm. deserves to be. Everyone matters. What do you want the audience to think about when it comes to that? The fact that their story does matter and that their story even the highs and the lows is what we were able to see with Andy and and Nettie no matter what difficulties maybe have been encountered their stories matter Mm -hmm. um, I had the opportunity a a few years ago to speak at a large ladies luncheon and one of the things when I was looking out at these wonderful faces and there were young faces and old faces and it just struck me um, the number of stories that they held that no one would ever know. And one of the one of the things that I talked about was the importance of doing that. Not that everybody has to write it down and get it published, but right. these are the family knowledge keepers, the stories, the important people, the important things that happened in their families, in, uh, life events that influenced their children and their grandchildren. And if if we don't, not just me, but everybody, if we don't write those stories down, they're lost. They're lost to time. Nobody is going to write them down for us if we if we don't do it. So even if uh, I would advise people that even if you don't, you know, have designs on publishing, you know, get journals and and write the stories down. Uh, I'm not, and I'm going to be very careful here because I'm not a real fan of diaries, um, simply because I think sometimes diaries keep wounds fresh. But this idea of telling stories of parents and grandparents and children, um, things that you would want in the line of your family to be carried on that people, you know, for people to know, um, uh, I think it's important to write those down and leave them as a legacy uh, for your family to follow. Love that. Love that. I knew I wanted to ask you about that, uh, Pam, when you said it, uh, as you were talking about each book and kind of what inspired it, the stories behind it. I think that's what's so important. Again, everyone, Pam Weber has been our guest. The new book is Life Dust. You all can get it through our friends at Amazon.com or through your favorite local bookstore. Again, published by She Writes Press. And, Pam, how can our audience stay connected with you? Oh, um, probably the easiest way is through my website, which is www.pamweber.com, and you can message me there. I'd love to hear from you. Pam, always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much again for stopping by and looking forward to our next conversation. And you have to come back next year because whether you have a new book out or not, we're going to be celebrating. We actually are we're announcing officially today a 20-city tour I'm doing across the country to celebrate our 20 years. And so I definitely want to have you back on the radio to kind of talk about your journey as well. Cyrus, I would be honored. That's, that, that's wonderful. Congratulations.
Thank you. I appreciate that. Always a pleasure talking with you. Really enjoyed the book. I've already wrote my review for Life Does. Invite anyone else who's already read the book. Make sure you guys share your thoughts online as well. That's important not only for the author, but also for other interested readers as well. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Now let's go make today amazing. Take care.